Hey, what's up, guys? On this episode, we have our friend Darwin coming in to talk about medical school and everything that goes along with that. This is episode 26 of the No Structure Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. This is Tyler. What up? This is Zach. This is the No Structure Podcast. No Structure. Hot. Yeah. All right. So you're in med school right now. What school do you go to? Western Michigan School of Medicine. Western Michigan. Well, they have a good. Uh, they have a good football program, don't they? They do. They do. Yeah. Corey Davis came out of there. I don't know who they, that is, but wide receiver <laughs> for the Tennessee Titans. He like no shade, no shade. I just don't. Yeah. Watch no. 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 You good? Yeah. Yeah. You good? Yeah. Wide receiver to the Tennessee Titans. He caught a touchdown against the Chiefs that that, that championship game. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's what's up. Yeah. Raising the profile. What yeah. made you choose a school out of all the schools that you could have been? I mean, you're, you're from <laughs> yeah. Washington. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm sure University of Washington was probably number yeah, one. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. But it's it's hard to get into med school, man. So like, sure. it was the only one that gave me an opportunity. For sure. And then they were even like, um, get do this master's program and then I'll jump right in. And I was like, all right, cool. Because I don't want to go over the whole. This is what UW said or what Michigan said? Michigan said. Okay. Michigan said, yeah. So they're like, finish this master's program and then jump right in. So I found it like a two year or two degrees in five years. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. Let me do it. Because UW, it's, it's rough getting in there, you know. It's one of the best med schools in the country. But, I mean, you went to UW yeah. Yeah, prior I did. to med school. Right, I did, yeah. yeah. And I really thought I was going to get in, man. I, I did research there, and yeah. I really thought I wanted to stay home. But I just want to throw this out there. I've seen you from the ground, from the gym, yeah. right? Like, I used to go in, like, he would be in here, like, studying legit shit. And yeah. I'd be in there just fucking around. <laughs> it's funny thinking about it, but it's like, yeah. that's dope that you're, you know, you're yeah. still on your grind. You're still yeah, doing yeah, shit, man. You had that gold monitor still pursuing yeah. it. Yeah. I was telling Tyler, my first paycheck as a doctor, I'm going to pay, I got to give him money for a ticket that he got. Because one time he dropped me off at UW, I was like, yo, can you drop me off? And he really just came in, I took, I stepped out, it was like a 10 second thing, less than yeah. that. And the next thing I know, um, I go back home, right, because Tyler would just come home from work, because it was like a little quicker. So he'd come home, he'd be like, yo, I got a ticket from dropping you off. Bro, I was like, <laughs> like real shit, I pulled up in a little, uh, it was like a little roundabout. Yeah. This guy, he got out the car and I drove off, the fucking cop right there, whoop, whoop. the Seattle PD. That's crazy. Yeah, when Tyler told me that, I was like, "What?" Because I know it says like no drop off, but no one ever listens to that. But do you know how like like how much of a moment that's gonna be when you get your first paycheck and can pay for that? Like, that'd be. <laughs> By sick. the way, that ticket was like you know six thousand. <laughs> yeah, uh, interest. Yeah, interest for sure. <laughs> Yo, you know what's crazy? Um, going into the, the whole medicine thing, right? It's like after you finish it, you start residency. Mm -hmm. And I was walking with my friends the other day, and she was like, she was working as a server, and like one of the servers made over a hundred thousand. And I was like, as a resident, you won't even make that. You start like at, at, at like fifty thousand, mm -hmm. and then like they increase it like five thousand every year. Yeah. But I mean, I don't want to put them on blast. But there was a school, the residents just went on strike because they were like, um, the residency program didn't want to increase their pay, so the residents went on strike, and it wasn't even on strike. So it was like during their lunch break, they went across the street for fifteen minutes, and it was like, give us fair pay, <laughs> and then they put their white jackets yeah, on, yeah, and yeah, then had to go back to the band. Yeah. So that's yeah, great. you don't even make much. So you saying six thousand? That's like nah, ten percent of my cool. gut. Yeah. I wait, I wait, I wait that thirty. Years. <laughs> I ain't tripping. Uh, oh, that's only ten thousand. So does um, I'm assuming that you're taking student loans to pay yeah. out medical school. Yeah. How much does scholarships play into that? Can you get scholarships or something like this? I'm not sure how that works. Yeah. So it's a lot harder to get scholarships in the graduate level, man. Yeah. Like I, I figured. Yeah. yeah. I took it for granted when I was an undergrad because you just have so many opportunities. Mm -hmm. And um, on the graduate level, there's just not as much, you know. And there is some scholarships out there. I haven't looked into it because the program I'm doing right now, the master's is what I'm getting. That's all paid for. So I haven't... I haven't had the need to look for like scholarships mm -hmm. but i'm gonna do that when i start the md course you know because that that's where it's really expensive what exactly yeah. are you specializing in 
Mm, so like, and let me add on to that question. Yeah. What exactly are you specializing in? And does your choice and what you're specializing in have to do with paying off your student loans? I'm glad you asked that because <laughs> yeah, that's, this, that's a valid question. Um, about, I want to say last week, there was a huge change for like all medicine, like all medical schools, right? So the thing is, I want to answer the first question, what I want to get into. So typically what you want to get into is like you, everyone does the same course throughout all med schools, right? Everyone does, the curriculum is different, but at the end of the day, when you finish graduate, everyone would have learned the same thing, right? And during your end of your second year, and some schools are moving to your third year now because they just find like the scores are better. But the end of the second year, you take this big test. It's called like a step one, USMLE step one. And that's what you, they like, so you, you take that test and you get a, a numerical score. And then they use that for like, differentiating which doctors are going to be surgeons, which doctors are going to be like wow. family practice, right? Mm-hmm. But recently there's been this huge change and it happened just last week. Now that test is going to be a pass fail. So now there's no like numerical grade. Yeah. So like the pass rate was like 95%. Everyone really passed it. But the thing was, if you wanted to be like an orthopedic surgeon, which is like a prestigious, well-paid um, field, you would have to score really high. You would have to be like somewhere in like 80 percentile or something like that. Right. And if you wanted to do like family medicine which is just like you know your local clinic clinician it's like you didn't have to really score that high Mm -hmm. so now with this big change it's like it's going to be hard to differentiate who wants who gets what and who gets you know the surgeon specialty and who gets like the regular practice specialty so to to clarify to see if i'm understanding you're saying that instead of everyone essentially passing now it's more rigorous so that people are more split up into what they could qualify for so everyone Everyone now is like a pass fail. So uh-huh. like, like I said, it's a reverse of what you said. Yeah, it started exactly. as what you start, it was, and now it's reverted to a pass fail. Correct. Oh, yeah. yeah. So the the pool is bigger of people for anything. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. that's a good way to look at it. So like, for example, if I wanted to go into surgery and I scored like this, I thought of three hundred, but to go into surgery, like orthopedic, at least you would need two forty and above, mm-hmm. right? And that's not all cases. Some schools will like depending on who you know and what you not, you know, it could be a little lower. But typically, it's like 240 and above to get into this like orthopedic specialty. Now, if I take this and I wanted to go into orthopedics and I got a 220, that's gone. You know, like I'm not going to get in that field. Mm-hmm. No one's really going to look at me. Right. So at this point, I have to look into different specialties. Maybe I could go into pathology. Maybe I could go into internal medicine. Maybe I could go into anesthesiology. Maybe I could go into gastroenterology, not gastro, um, gynecology. So that score really like helps separate applicants because when you apply for residency, schools are seeing thousands of applicants from different schools right and it's like how do we differentiate who gets this and one of the biggest things they use was the step score so that being changed to a pass fail mm-hmm. now it's like what are we going to use to differentiate all these thousands of applicants because that was like the the biggest piece the golden the golden differential you know yeah. what, what was the reasoning for changing that was it to um, make everything more even kind of or? it was actually to reduce stress from the med students because like oh wow. so when i got in like one of the tutors told me he was like do because every like a uh, curriculum now is our pass fails to yeah. eliminate the competitiveness because like an undergrad you have to be competitive it's like get a 3.9 yeah you know what i mean like only certain like the top five percent get a 4.0 and then everything after that gets this yeah and it was like extremely competitive i remember one time in class some dude was like hey good luck on this test and i was like i would wish you the same but you would mess up the curve Damn. so <laughs> you Damn. know i don't want to wish you good luck Damn. so that was competitive so like what they wanted to do yeah yeah bro <laughs> So in med school, they kind of removed that so, like, people could just focus on, like, really understanding the content and stuff to compete and, like, have a life. But with the steps thing was, like, um, they were, like, one of my tutors was, like, do whatever you can to pass because there's, like, 
70 percent 80 percent i don't know what other schools are but like at our school it's like 70 percent and above is passed right so all you have to do is pass granted they still give you like a quartile and whatnot but you know that's some people don't really shoot for that they're just really worried about that huge test mm -hmm. so the thing people used to tell you is like just do whatever you got to do to pass and mm -hmm. make sure you study for step because this is going to be like the biggest test in your life yeah so like everyone would just do whatever they need to do to pass and then take the step so to answer your question yeah um they wanted to remove that stress away from like students always just trying to do like study for step, study for step, right. study for step, because it was just like take it away from their actual schooling. Right, right, yeah. right. And everyone had like the anxiety, and from the get go, yes. it's like a, it's a test you take your second year, but from the start, people are like, studying from it. Right. You know? Wouldn't this kind of mess up the quality of doctors? Um, it could like that's the, it could potentially like mess up the quality. Of like doctors. you would have a lot of bottom tier. That's what uh, I thought. Graduates yeah. getting high. High-end jobs. Bench players talking like starters. Exactly. Right. Yeah, no, seriously, that's what I thought. I was like, yeah. well, you know, I was speaking to my buddy who just actually took it, and he was he was telling me the same thing. He was just like, you know, it was like, it's stupid. Like, how are you going to figure who gets, you know, who deserves this and who deserves that? Right. Because now, like, the lowest tier person could apply for, like, neurosurgery. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's, he ends up not sketchy that. at all. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, whoa, does he really belong there? I'm going to call you before I get neurosurgery. <laughs> like, hey, does this guy check out? Yeah. Or, like, can you pull us my arm from Yeah. No, no. But, I mean, like, that's just, I don't know how it's going to lay down now. Because there's also this other step you used to take. So, that was one part of the um, test you take, right? So, after you do that, there's this other step you take. It's called USMLE Step 2, or the CK. It was, like, the clinical part of it. So, the first part, the first step is, like, the basic science. Sounds basic, but there's no really nothing yeah. basic about mm -hmm. it. But it's just like understanding diseases and like uh, critically thinking, like what disease does this? The so pathology. it's like a, a written and then a hands-on kind it's of thing. Sort of. So they're both like computerized tests, but like one just tests you on basic science. Like, do you understand how the disease is working mm -hmm. and the whole mechanisms of the disease? And then the other part, I believe, is is like the clinician part. Is like now it's like what test do you order? Um, how do you, you know, you diagnose them where yeah. you go from here. Okay. So that was that part. And the first part, all, both of them used to be numerical grades. The first part changed into pass-fail, but this one's still numerical. Mm -hmm. So I think what's going to happen is, I don't know for sure, because my class is going to be the first class that actually is going to do the whole pass-fail thing. Cool. So what I think yeah. is going to happen is they're going to put a lot more emphasis on the second test, and because that's still numerical. So I think more people are going to be focused more on that test as opposed to the very first one. So I think it'd be interesting to talk to the board who decided that. So I was speaking to see to, their mindset. Yeah, I was like, I was speaking to one of the um, uh, one of the people at my school, right? And she was um, she was telling me like, you know, uh, this is gonna happen to later on, whatever, you know. And she was like, the people that are really pushing for it, it seems like it's like the people from really prestigious schools, Harvard, Yale, mm -hmm. Stanford, and stuff like that, right? Because those guys, they just put the you know, you just put, I came out of Stanford Med. Yeah. And it looks good, right? Mm -hmm. It looks way better than some of these other tier schools. Right. And like international medical schools, right? It was like that step score was like a big uh, equalizer. Mm -hmm. Like if someone went to Harvard and someone went to like a no-name school, let's take this test, see who's better, right? Yeah. Whoever gets the better score, you know, obviously, I wouldn't say it's the better doctor, but at least, you know, it's, it tells... By test standards, yeah, you be the better You can compete, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know... That's wild, bro. That was like a big equalizer. But now it's like, you you got to come from a really good school, like your connections, and like, I think they're going to make more emphasis on this step two. It's yet to be told. This is just my understanding and how I like want to process it, but who knows what's going to be, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, 
going back to what you would what you want to do what you want to specialize in what where you uh, I wanted to go into internal medicine so I kind of want like when you think of a doctor most people think of like doctors that come in you know what do you have your disease and they diagnose it and then they kind of give you meds or tell you if you need surgery or whatnot mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I want to go into but I also want to specialize I don't know what I want to specialize in so after you do internal medicine you could do like a fellowship and you could choose like gastroenterology cardiology things like that and um, I think I want to do something like that, but I kind of want to go more into research because like Be cool. during my undergrad years, I was working at um, a little local research center here yeah. and I was studying colon cancer. And I was like, this is cool because like this is actually trying to find what caused the disease and trying to cure it from like the very foundation of it, as opposed to just like giving medicine and putting a bandaid on it and being like, you know, go ahead and go home. I think research yeah. is like the forefront. It leads to like... Um, um, my, my grandma had colon cancer, and mm-hmm. even now it's what like five years since she's had it. She still has to go see her doctor every year right. and get a colonoscopy, and right. like it's it's insane. Even though the cancer's gone, you right. know, she still has to go do four doctor's appointments a year right. for that. Right, so, right. I have a question, man. So there is a conspiracy mm-hmm. that cancer there's a cure for cancer, mm-hmm. and the reason that it's not available for the mainstream is because it would eradicate millions of jobs. I can see that. a lot of funding and all <clears throat> right. that stuff. Yeah. What do you think about that? So this is my take on it. So I think <laughs> this is going to sound bad, but I think cancer isn't something that's going to be cured. I think um, this is going to go completely philosophical, but this is what I think. I think Mother Nature has a way of limiting how many people are here, okay. right? Because I think overpopulation is going to be something huge, right? Not enough resources, too many people, too mouths to feel it, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought Mother Nature used cancer as a way to kind of like remove people from this earth, you know, as a way to like kind of limit the number and keep it right. And I think cancer is so complex. Like there's so much that goes into cancer that it's just, it's not like, it's it's multifactorial. So it's not just one thing, colon cancer is just one thing that's going wrong. There's so many different things that are going on in the cell. All too. Right, yeah. yeah. Like that's, that's why cancer research is so big because there's different avenues that lead to cancer and it's like multifactorial. So that A could be working with B to influence C to do D. You know what I mean? Okay, so let me ask you this then. Mm-hmm. Based on what you just said, it sounds like cancer is a blanket term for a lot of different ailments, I guess. Mm-hmm. What is the common factor that cancer is then? Uh, well, 50% of cancers is usually due to a tumor re- repressor disease. Not disease, but like a mutation. So this gene called TP53, it helps repress tumors. Mm-hmm. So your cell usually proliferates. And what this thing does is like limit the proliferation. So just spontaneous growth right Mm -hmm. so this thing limits that and when something happens to that typically cancer could come about and 50 percent of cancers are seen with this disease but doesn't mean it has to have it right so that's one factor because that's a huge amount of cancers that have that right 50 percent that's pretty big so you know that's one aspect but just that alone isn't going to be like the huge driver of, of cancer so and to answer your question yes there's like one big thing that you could look out for and be like, yo, this isn't good if it's mm-hmm. if it's not there. But then again, there's other things adding with that. And I think that's what um, different studies are doing, you know? So. Interesting. Yeah. That's wild. It's like breaking it down like that. You like, it just, you don't realize how complex it is. You just think like, I think we've become so um, used to hearing people have cancer now that it's just like, oh, it's just cancer. But it's like, there's so much yes. in, involved in it. There's so much going on in there. And it's just, you know, I think for my belief is it's just too much to be cured and if you find it on early you could i wouldn't necessarily say cure it but stop it from going ballistic or metastasizing is what they say so 
that's why the age of 50, yeah. they, for, as far as colon cancer goes, they want you to do a colonoscopy because they want to look at if you have any colon polyps or things to prevent cancer from spreading. Because if you don't get checked up at 50, then you're just... You're kind of just... Yeah. You're saying, screw it. Yeah, you're letting, kind yeah. of it to the fate. Right, yeah. <laughs> Luckily for my, like my grandma's case, she's a health nut. Not a health nut isn't like she eats the healthiest or anything, but she, if any little like thing is wrong, if she even feels like the smallest like irritation, she goes to the doctor. So luckily yeah. they caught it super early on. That's good. That is good. Yeah. But I've, I've known people that it, they didn't catch it so early on and it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's just, yeah. I think that's like the best, best way to prevent it is to catch it early on, you know? Yeah. yeah. So what is your well. undergraduate degree in? Biochemistry. Okay. Yeah. I didn't biochemistry. Damn. Yeah. I failed chemistry, so. <laughs> but I've no. never taken a chemistry class. Yeah, I think we talked about this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I haven't taken a chemistry class in high school. Nothing. Right. Like, no, it's, yeah, I, I like it. I like chemistry. I like biology. Biochemistry was interesting because it's like the class of two. So, you know, and it's pertaining to the human body. It's something I wanted to work in. Yeah. Most undergrad, it's just like you do chemistry and it's just like natural physical chemistry. It's not something you're really interested in. Yeah. So you're going through all this stuff and most of it you're not even going to use, you know, but it does lay a good foundation. It helps you critically think. And I think that's the most valuable thing about undergrad because you're going to have to use that when you get into medicine because I think that's what's going to differentiate between the good doctors and the bad is people that really think and use this thing as a tool as opposed to just something to remember. Mm -hmm. This person has this, I should give this, as opposed to like someone thinking this person has this and this leads to that yeah. and that also does that, right? right. So I, Bro, think, I want you to be my doctor. Man. Yeah. <laughs> like for real. Yeah, no, we, so. uh, we just actually had an episode about cheating and we were talking about like kids cheating on tests and stuff in school. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we talked about is uh, how like in, in your guys' case, when they actually go into the field, that's actually going to be something that differentiates is the people that actually know the material as right. opposed to just studying it and just regurgitating it and right. just leaving it. That's yeah. exactly it. And some of the test questions they ask you, like they teach you the normal, like if this works like this, this works like that. But the test questions they ask you is if this doesn't work, what's the downstreams effects? What's the ramifications? And that's what you need to think. It's like, this isn't working properly. What happens here? What happens there? That's and that's how they want you to think. And you know, some people could get away with it by just remembering, but I think down the road, this isn't going to lead to a good physician. Mm -hmm. That's just right. my opinion on it. Yeah, it seems like something like that you really need to thoroughly know. You really thoroughly yeah. need to digest right. the information, right. comprehend it. And I would hope that people that are like in a position like you where they're going through school and then realize, hey, maybe this isn't for me, hopefully decide to get out before, you know, something bad happens. Right. That's they, tough. If you're deep in money and that, that too, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you quit? I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. That actually brings up a good question. How many people end up quitting as far as once it gets to the clinical portion? Like when people actually have to see patients, how many people decide that they want to quit because they can't handle seeing patients? Right. I know um, I know. like with the graduating class, I've heard my buddy say like three of them didn't finish med school. Yeah. And a lot of it, it, it could be from that, what you just spoke of. And a lot of it could be from burnout because they give you so much. Like I was not uh, a thing they always you always hear people say is like med school is like drinking water from a fire hydrant. It just comes at you so fast. Damn, and there's crazy. so I'm much. Trying to imagine that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it just comes out. And I'm just, you know, as an undergrad, you think, oh, OK, it's fine. I took calculus, biochem and physics all together. I can handle this. Mm -hmm. You have no idea. They have no idea what they're in for. I, my buddy told me the other day, he was like, med school is the only place where you come in the first day and you ask yourself, why am I so behind? And I'm like, I couldn't say I've said it better because there's so much. And there's not, I remember sitting there in my in my room one time looking at what to study. And I'm like, there's not enough hours in a day. I was ready to cry, man. I was like, I can't yeah. do this. This is just too much. You know, and I started waking up early at 5 a.m. to study a little earlier because I had to find more hours in a day. And sleep just had to, was something that had to be cut. Right. Because there's just so much to study. And I think people get burned out from that because there's so much at 
you know, just every block, you have so much to study, yeah. so much to do. And if you only get a week break, sometimes that might not be enough, right? Because then you just go right back in. And I think people could leave because of the burnout, because that just can, you have to continue on, right? Because once you're done with med school, you have to do residency. And if you're going to a surgical specialty, you're working 80 to 100 hours a, a week, right? And um, I don't think it's 100 anymore because I think it actually became a law because too many people were dying because doctors were fatigued. Mm, so they had to go. Yeah. yeah. So they cut down the 100 hours um, a week thing. And uh, side note, there's this little doctor. He, he was an older doctor, so he had to do 100 hours a week. And he was just telling, he was like, I don't understand how they're going to learn anything. I was like, 100 hours a week? That might not be enough for them to learn. I was like, that's crazy. You got to be fucked up. Right. right. So everything that you're saying right now and everything that you're experiencing, you're not making a good case for people to want to do this, right? Right. So what is your motivation to continue to want to do that's this? exactly the question that I had, too. Yeah. Like, I, w- I don't want to do it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you lost me in chemistry. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I really like science. And I think um, I really like talking to people. Like when someone comes in, we've all been to the hospital. I hate going to the hospital. Yeah. Like there's a long way. And then you always like, I remember I fractured my fifth metatarsal when I was waiting for the doc and I was just looking around man it was just a depressing environment yeah you hear the beep beep you know you're hurting you're what I can imagine if someone's like going to test for cancer and like wondering and you're just there in your head and you're just wondering you're like man what's gonna happen you know just so many things go through your head and then the hospital is just a really bad environment for a patient you know and we try to make it the best as we can right but you know no one wants to go to the hospital wondering if they have cancer and for me, the reason I wanted to go in is because I want to be there for that person, right? You want to like comfort them and talk to them and tell them like, you know, we're going to do our best. I don't want to say cure them, but we're going to do our best to help you out yeah. because it's a huge, huge like milestone in their life if they do get diagnosed with cancer. And I think if you are a people person and you like science, I think this is the place for you. And I think that's why I really wanted to do it. Yeah. And I think my doctor, I see, when I factored my fifth medical doctor, my doctor was a huge, huge like motivator for me to go into medicine because when I went there, it felt like I wasn't even there for like my fifth metatarsal. We talked about sports. It felt like I was looking like visiting a friend, yeah. you know? And I was like, man, I wanted to break my other foot just to go see him, <laughs> yeah. you know? And I was like, this dude's so cool. He made that stressful environment. And I keep in mind, it was just a fifth metatarsal, but like I was really into sports. What is that for the people listening? It's just a bone on your foot. Okay, because yeah. I, I, I know. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I, I fractured that and I was just like, man, I can't ball anymore. You know, and in high school, we all know everyone would be Kobe or yeah. whoever it was. Yeah. So, you know, when I met him, he just made that situation so much better. And I was like, I want to do that for other people too. Yeah. So, That's dope, dude. I understand yeah. that because like when my grandma was sick and she, when she did her can or went through like her cancer surgery and everything, the nurses there. Mm-hmm. That's why I have such a great appreciation for nurses because they were amazing. Mm-hmm. They were, they made her feel comfortable. They, she could not stop raving after we left about how amazing the nurses were. Right. Yeah. And I think that's awesome, man. That's a yeah. really great motivation. It is. It is. It, it, it really makes, I want to do to my patients what that doctor did to me, mm-hmm. you know, make me feel like it's going to be okay. And like, I wasn't even there for a visit for something uh, physical, you know, it was like just a random talk with a guy that became my friend and I loved it and I was like man this is cool do you so, still talk to him to this day? no I always wanted to get in contact with him man because this happened in high school and I didn't know I wanted to go into medicine until maybe like the last of my se- last year of my senior year and I was like okay maybe I could do this because one of the things we talked about I was like man I'm not smart enough to be a doctor because he was like you should do it man and I was like I don't, I don't think I'm smart enough but my senior year I did like this running start thing and I finished the quarter with like a 3.8 GPA and I was like maybe I, maybe I do have it yeah. you know 
What yeah. a low running start program was it? So it was in high school. It was like to finish off because in high school, oh man, I'd never studied, never did anything. Yeah. So to like get credits quick to graduate because I was behind. Some oh credits. right, right, right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So I did the running start. I, know, I was uh, thinking classes. running start in OSC. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's yeah, what I remember, I was yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Running start. I remember you go two years early. And, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Because OSC was like you go in like work thing or something. Yeah. You do like, like a half a day of work and then you go yeah. to school the other half a day. Right. Yeah. 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 I remember that one. Yeah. Man, you should reach out to him because I think not only would he be proud of you, mm-hmm. I think that he would feel, you know, something inside of him yeah. that yeah. he affected you to do something. Everything like it would come full circle for him. And not I'm only sure that, that he hopes for that. Yeah. For sure. Not only that, he might be able to help you. Yeah. Like in your career. Yeah. No, for sure. Because uh, going back to what we were talking about earlier, the first step score going to pass fail, I think it's going to put a huge influence on who you know, not necessarily what you know, right? Mm-hmm. You got to right. have the right connections because you don't have that numerical score to tell you like, hey, I'm really good. You got to have people vouch for you or just know someone. Because my teacher always told me, sometimes in life, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah, man. So, and that stems back from what you were talking about, like the prestigious schools. Yeah. They're going to have the connects. Exactly. Right. You know, right. They're going to give good. Out, field. Right. Yeah. They're right. going to give out good letters of recommendation. They're going to have the Harvard, Yale, Stanford on it. And like, that's IPOP. And who's not going to be like, yeah, we have Harvard educated doctors or Harvard, mm-hmm. you know, Stanford educated right. doctors from here to there. So, yeah, man. All right. So you were talking earlier about uh, being more interested on the macro level of things. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the human body, mm-hmm. knowing how things work as such a small level does that affect how you live on a daily basis uh no not really yeah, <laughs> you I was gonna ask it, similar like yeah. knowing what you know do, does it change your diet does it change yeah. like how much you exercise um, it definitely changes my diet because i remember i was going out um so you know they always say less red meats better because right. people are like oh red meat causes cancer but that's that's a misnomer it doesn't cause cancer right it's um it's correlated to cancer there's mm-hmm. a difference between causation and correlation right the cause of cancer could be completely different but you could correlate it with it, right? Like, for example, when I told you, like, all these patients come in and he said, I ate this, I ate that, and he has this disease, mm-hmm. right? That's kind of how it is with correlation. Like, you see a couple patients come in and they're like, what they have together is they eat red meat and they have cancer. But doesn't mean just because you eat red meat, you have cancer, right? Mm-hmm. Because, like, this yeah. other patient has colon cancer, but he's never touched meat in his life. Mm-hmm. And I know you've heard of, like, the, some of the most healthy individuals that have gotten cancer right they're like oh i've been vegetarian vegan my whole life well look at Lance armstrong right you know and you know it just it it gets everybody but to answer your question um i think like i try to stay away from like really bad foods Mm -hmm. and um but as far as like going out and like seeing someone be like oh that's gonna give them cancer or like thinking microscopically i really don't do that man like when i'm outside of school i really do not like talking about school like, I just want to enjoy Sorry, myself. No, no, you guys, <laughs> you guys are good. But it's just like you get so much at, you know, at a short amount of time. That's like when you have time, free time, you just want to enjoy time with family and friends. And, yeah. You know, for sure. Yeah. I work 40 hours a week and I already bitch about what yeah. about. I was like, holy right. man, it's like real. Yeah. So, like, I don't even think about it unless I need to, you know. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I was in your position, if I would do something like that, if I would constantly judge, because I'm not even a front. Like, if I'm like yeah. on like an exercise binge, I'm mm-hmm. over here like low key judging in my head, like, yeah. oh, for sure. What the fuck? You know, you know, damn well you don't yeah. need to eat that. You know what I mean? Looking at other exactly, people, yeah. you know? Right. So I can well, only imagine. really in that barbecue sauce. <laughs> yeah, so I can only imagine, like, if I knew, like, what your body is doing at such a micro level, right. that I would really just be like, Looking at everybody shaking my head, you know? Right, right. Like, be but then what do you, do you think at some level that that would drive you nuts too? Like knowing, knowing like all that information and it being like every time you go to the grocery store, you're like, I should not be eating that because of this or I shouldn't be eating like that. I think that would end up driving Probably. me nuts. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but this is why I'm not a doctor too. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't, I don't yeah. see a, a fit for me. You would definitely hit find me in like a breakdown in the middle of the like cereal aisle, just eating fun Captain Crunch fast <laughs> now. <laughs> just, yeah. I finally lost it. How much school do you have to be in for this? Whew. 
So this is, I'm going to have to do this for five years. I just, I'm pretty much done with my master's degree, which is also going to be beneficial because of the whole step thing. Mm-hmm. Anything to, do, to like make yourself stand out is good. So an extra degree would be great. So I'm happy for that. Then I got the four years of medical school, right? And then depending where I go on for residency, I got three to eight years, depending on what you want to specialize in. Is that considered school? Yeah, actually okay. it is considered school because um, you still get like a graduation thing. It's like a postgraduate year. So whatever residency program you go into, it's like with the school. So if I was like to go into Mass General, which is associated with Harvard, I would be like a Harvard trained doctor because that is their hospital. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they oversee things and they give you that training. So like, for example, you dub med and Harborview. Like if I match into Harborview, I'd be like a UW trained physician because that's their hospital and that's how they train it. And obviously you want to go to the most prestigious trained schools. So Mass General is one of the best. John Hopkins is one mm-hmm. of the best. You know, John things Hopkins like that. Sloan Kettering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why those residency programs are hard to get because even though, say, you can go to a great prestigious med school, you can still get the training of being a doctor from that school or that's that cool. program. So, yeah, man. So that's three to eight years depending on what you want to do. And then I think if you get board certified, most people do get board certified. I don't think it's a requirement, but people get it for making themselves more uh, appealing. Yeah, for yeah. for for jobs after the residency. So most people do it, and I think to remain board certified, you have to do every five or ten years. You still have to take a test to un- make sure you understand like the new advancements in medicine and that mm-hmm. you're treating your patients not with something that's outdated, right? Like a technique that's outdated. If there's something less invasive, you could you're, you know you could have that as opposed to something ten years ago where it's super invasive and long time for recovery so so what is that 14 years <clears throat> 15 years uh so total residency by the time you graduate you're gonna need that colonoscopy like yeah. you'll, be, you'll be at 50 <laughs> no, no kidding no you're kidding give yourself man. One? Yeah. oh man <laughs> so, what's worse come on you giving yourself or I, I, I just don't want a colonoscopy period I might be one of those ones that skips it at 50 yeah. <laughs> like I might just take my chances <laughs> what did he just tell you earlier <laughs> Jesus Christ so hey, I'm counting one, 16 man I'm counting 16 so 4 years undergrad 4 years medical and then if you want to do like neurosurgery some are 7 some are 8 they require you to take like a research year you're looking at another 8 so that's 16 years and how of, much have you not of done? education so right now I've done 5 so I have another I have another Four to go for medical school and then three to five for residency. So I'm looking at, wow, close to another eight to ten. Yeah, I yeah, get that yeah. ticket money. That's wild, bro. Yeah. That's cool that like you see that obstacle in your future. Yeah. The obstacle being time. You right. Know? Yeah. And you're still, you know, just going along, man. I mean, I did four years. I don't want to throw that away for nothing. You know, so I'm like, it's like let's keep it coming. Yeah. Know? Yeah. What Zach was talking about earlier, asking that people quit, you know, once they reach a certain yeah. point. That's what I don't get. It's like, I mean, I don't get because I'm not in their shoes, mm-hmm. obviously, but it seems like, like or the scrubs. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's like, man, you put in so much work. And now what are you going to do? Right. You know, that yeah. seems like a lot to just. Because it's not like you're just like, you're done now. Once you're done with medical school, you're done. Now you have to go into being a fucking doctor now, right. which is just as much stress as what you just left. Yeah. Like, right. Man. Yeah, no, it, it is scary. And I think there's a silver lining to it because like that person, it sucks that they would leave after doing that. But at the same time, they left for a reason. And maybe it could. It, beneficial for the patient down the road you know what i mean like yeah. you don't want a doctor that didn't want to be a doctor right so looking at the uh you know silver lining of it it's good for the patients but for them you're right it's it's a huge life change it's like where do i go from here it might be good for them too yeah it, it, for sure because yeah, that's a decision that i don't think they made overnight like i'm just quitting yeah you know it's that like something like build up right sure. it definitely build up and they're like you know what this isn't something for me do you so. find that a lot of people um just like through your schooling and stuff that are only doing it just for the money 
Um, I mean, you hear some jokes here and there when I'm walking through the hallway. I don't know yeah. some of the people because, like, there's um, two years in my school. So there's, like, first the M1s, which is the first years, mm-hmm. and the M2s, which is the second years. So I don't know everyone. But sometimes you hear people walking down. They're like, man, I can't let anything happen to my hand. This is taking me straight to the bank for plastic surgery. Oh, my God. You know, and I'm just like, oh, these guys. Yeah, but, why don't you just become a plastic surgeon? No, man. No, <laughs> man. I don't. You, you make people feel good. You uh, give new, new ass. Oh, no, man. I, introduce yeah. someone to Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sounds like a great trick. Yeah. Gemini might like that. <laughs> no, man. I made this girl Sorry, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think plastic surgery it just doesn't have the... It's a good field, um, yeah. but I want to do something... Like I said, I want to kind of go more right. into research. I don't think there's a big avenue for research in plastic surgery. Not sure that there is. I'm not saying that there isn't. But I think there's a lot more when it comes to neurology. That's a huge field for research. You know, you hear the diseases, ALS, multiple sclerosis, all these neurodegenerative diseases. Somebody famous just... Or like pretty big just passed away from ALS, right? Yeah, um... um what uh, Stephen Hawking's? No, it was Pat. No. It was uh, after him. It was because I, I remember talking with my grandma about it because ALS was like Lou Gehrig's disease, right? Yeah. Somebody, somebody. You're what? talking about the guy who started the ice bucket challenge, because he. Oh, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, the guy that started the ice bucket yeah. challenge just recently passed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's, and they still don't have a, like a. Uh, do they have an idea of what causes that? Oh man, that's like, once again that's like um, another thing that's like, that's big. Yeah. It's like. Um, uh, one of the biggest thing was uh, ROS. It's like reactive oxygen species and protein aggregation. Mm-hmm. So you got all these proteins in the body that isn't functioning right, and that could contribute to it, right? And then there's other things like mitochondria dysfunction. The mitochondria isn't working right, right? So you're getting all these protein aggregations within the mitochondria as well. Um, there's so many different things with ALS that could be going bad. I have a question with you, yeah. man. It seems like you kind of look at this almost like a program. Yeah. Like, that's kind of how you're talking, and that's what yeah. I'm picking up from you. Right. Because when you talked about Mother Nature has a way of, like, limiting, like, the control of people, it's almost like Mother Nature sitting out a program to kind of shut down right. people, right? So if you're looking at it from a program perspective, do you think that all of these things like ALS or cancer, these things that are extremely complex to figure out, do you think that they have one starting point? that you guys could figure out if you happen to navigate to it. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like from the scale that you guys can perceive at this point, it seems like it's complex and it's, you know, it could have started 10 different ways. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But if you really look at the program, like you have to hit enter at some point. Right. Yeah. There has to be like some type of driver Mm -hmm. to make it happen. Yeah. Right. And um, it could be two drivers, but you could pinpoint it. You could be like this. But it can be. You don't think so? No. Okay. I think, I think nature is too precise. Okay. I like, like it. It, I it like just seems like there can only be one. Yeah. Right? Everything sure. seems like it comes right. down to absolute. The white right. rabbits, dude. I'm telling you. This is what <laughs> yeah. talking No, to I it. like that. I like that. Like, I'm not quite sure if it's one. I don't think it might be one, but I'm not dismissing that because I think that's a really good, that's a unique outlook in it, you know? Like, because you really have to press enter, mm-hmm. right? And something has to happen. So, isn't the argument, though, that people would say is that there's uh, like a cancer gene? That you could be born with that would make you more susceptible to getting cancer. Oh but yeah, even like, if that's the case, you could if you had the power to do it and trace it back. Mm-hmm. There's still a start. Right, right. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, like in this case, the gene would be the the start. I think is what people are making. But how do you get that? So you just bo- born with it. Is <coughs> people's. But how do you get it past? Oh, I too. That's what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah. That's just the argument that people I would think would make would be like you would be born with a gene that could would make you sick. But. I feel like you can always trace it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I I think adding to what both of you said, like yeah, I think it starts somewhere. But, right, you can pass it, right? Like something bad went happen with you or whatever, and then you give it to your son. Like it's something, it's, it's like a genetic trait, right? Mm-hmm. You just pass it on. But definitely started somewhere, right. right? Some type of mutation happens, a spontaneous mutation, because there's two forms of ALS there's, as of what we know right now, right? There's the sporadic and the familial right. types of ALS. And the familial is like you could pinpoint to some genes that have a 
bigger chance, like if a mutation happens here, I've given you ALS. And then there's a sporadic form, which is just like a, like it says sporadic, it just happens, right? That could be, um, all of us could be um, prone to the sporadic form of ALS. So that could be like environmental. Yeah, who knows what it could be. Or like your food. I guess that could be environmental. Yeah, no, no, that, yeah, environmental. And people are are looking into that. Like studies are being done from like environmental factors and familial factors and stuff like that. So it's an ongoing field of research, which is why, um, going back to your other question, I was like, yeah, neurology might be a cool field because I want to do research in that because it's just so broad, so many different avenues to investigate. And who knows? Like you said, maybe there is something, one point, one thing, press enter, and that causes the disease. And if, you know, research could lead to that, that would be... We can hit delete. Yeah. What if uh, again? cancer was just always a thing? What do you mean? Like if it was like from the very first humans, it's just like as in you as your heart is, you know? And this is just a trigger like... Going back to the nature, kind of um, creating popular uh, mm-hmm. population control. control. Yeah. There's just a certain amount that certain amount of people, and this I don't want this to sound insensitive. This is right. speaking out my ass. Uh-huh. Um, but there's like a, a when nature feels pressured, right? Yeah, uh, it's almost like certain people get triggered on, but it's like random, right? You know what I mean, right? Like, what if it's just yeah. in you? That's that's exactly what I was alluding to with like the oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Like in every single individual, no matter what, just but something it's just in you. So, so yeah, and then whatever your environment, like tr- something in your environment triggers, and it can be any kind of form of cancer. Like you're saying, are you saying that everybody has like this thing in them, mm-hmm. but it's triggered by different things? Like some people get triggered, some people don't. Yeah. And I hate using the word triggered because yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, but wouldn't that be like the gene? Like we're all born with that gene, but but yeah, only. But certain- you're talking about passing it on. I'm oh, not talking okay. about. That. I'm just talking about like the same way that you're born with a heart is the same way you're born with this cancer. Okay. Yeah, that's but what it I only mean. gets triggered. Like for example, you have allergies that are triggered because pollen. Yeah. What if there's something in the air that if you meet the correct conditions, it triggers the cancer. Right. Like, and it uh, drops people to fit a certain number that nature deems adequate. Yeah. To yeah. carry on. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, that's what you just said is exactly how I really look at it, right? Because at the end of the day, when you look down in genes, it's all codes, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Everything's codes. Like you have to code it. And mutations could arise from that coding, like spontaneous mutations. And all of us are prone to spontaneous mutations. That's one way ALS could arise, right? That's why they call it the sporadic form. And I think that basis, like, for example, if we're speaking about the matrix, the matrix is like all codes, right? Like, right. I remember looking at the green screen. Where like zeros and ones. Right, exactly, yeah. right? And if we break it down, we could call ourselves zero and one for layman's terms, right? Zero, one, zero, one. Everyone is made from that. No matter if you're human or not, you're zero, one, right? Mm-hmm. And I think nature could like you said go through that pool from zero ones and just be like yep i'm going to change that one to a two right and that isn't working and maybe it could be an environmental factor right and then looking at it from a research pur- purpose like we're trying to find different environmental factors that lead to that right so i mean that's just my outlook in it and i think what you said is verbatim pretty much how i look at it dude I'm sure that there's just so many invisible things that we don't see. Like, for example, like even like pheromones. You yeah, know what I mean, like right. clearly we're triggered by it. Right, but we yeah. can't see it. Right, like what else out there is invisible? There's just so many it's, different aspects. Yeah, of turning right. on and off switches in our bodies that we right. were so unaware. Right, man, I wish somebody would go fuck with my code and give me a like <laughs> unguardable jump shot or something. <laughs> something cool. Um, too many zeros and ones, player. What are your thoughts on like holistic healing? You know, like that's become more popular recently with like vegetarian diets right. and like kind of using like different types of forms of medicine what do you th- what are your, your kind of thoughts on that um i i know it's like really big in places like i know haiti's really big on like natural medicine and different countries are different are big on mm-hmm. natural medicine and i think looking at it the holistic way is actually a beneficial way to look at it but as far as like the 
results from it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't really speak to that. I'm sure some of them have bought right. positive results and some don't. But you know, I think I I don't condone it. You know, yeah. I think it's it, I think it's the best way to go. I do not like taking medicine a lot Me because neither. I think medicine was there for especially if you're on it long term. Mm-hmm. I think intermittent medicine are like very short amounts of medicine. Like if your body isn't working right, I think medicine was used to get your body back to like a boost. Yeah, exactly. So I think medicine is like, you're not doing so well. The medicine's like, let me help you out. And then we recharge you. Yeah, exactly. And get you off of it. Right. But long-term effects causes some of those side effects that you see later down the road. And you might be feeling good now. Well, who knows what happens 20 years down the road from that long-term use of medication. So I think medication is just something you use, boom, get over, you know, get over whatever pathology you're going through Mm -hmm. and get yourself back to equilibrium. And that's it. But I think nowadays, maybe it's pharma, like farm companies, pharmaceuticals, and all these other things. They want to keep you on medicine for long term for monetary purposes. Hey, be careful, bro. Don't mess up your, uh, your connection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, no. Because like the way I look at it, I never take medicine for like a common cold or anything no, like that. Me neither. Or right? like even Advil. I don't like taking Advil. No, I don't. avoid it if I can. Right. Like the, I think people forget the body's such a dynamic and wonderful thing. Like you get a cut. And you wonder, you know, like, oh, you're bleeding. But at the end of the day, your body heals itself, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. And we don't think about that. It's like, whoa, I'm like Wolverine pretty much. That would be sick. Right? It's yeah, like, but it, you are, Loki. Yeah, yeah, in a way. And it's like, I think when you give the body too much aid, it becomes, it's not dependent on itself anymore, right? Mm-hmm. It's not using its own strengths to, and this is, this has nothing to do with like um, biological medicine or anything like that, or biological sciences. This is just my look of it. But I think when you give your body too much aid, it just becomes too dependent on it. Yeah, too much of anything is never a good thing. Right, yeah. exactly. And I'm like, you know what? I just want my Except body to money. fight itself. Give it, you know, make my warriors go out there and fight as opposed to having someone else fight the fight for me. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So so what do you think about vitamins? I think vitamins. And do you take them? No. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't take vitamins, but I know like some people like vitamin D because you get it from the sun. Mm-hmm. I know some people aren't they feel like whack if they don't get that's vitamin like vitamin D, D. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I know some people take vitamin D but I mean I living in Pacific Northwest yeah right we, yeah. we suffer from gloomy days well, right. I, got, I, got, I have a plenty of fitness full access pass so I can get my artificial glow on yeah. <laughs> yeah so no I have nothing against vitamins or anything like that but it's just like some of the harder medicines that yeah, or even um, like so. uh, B12 like my grandma takes B12 because right. her iron's low so yeah. I wonder how much like how much that actually affects affects you because like even with medicine to me too like I wonder how much it really is helping if you go to like the store and you buy the generic brand as opposed to buying the expensive one. Like, am I getting less of something just because I'm paying less, or right. am I less likely to get over my cold because? Well, yeah. usually that's that's just a psychological marketing tactic for yeah. like corporations. That's all that mm-hmm. is for right. the most part. Yeah, you know I mean, but I do wonder how much of it is placebo. For example, like yeah. me taking the vitamin D, mm-hmm. I would say that. I don't suffer from seasonal depression at all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But because we have one season year round and it's cold and wet. <laughs> but I'm saying, <laughs> would, I, know would I feel that anyway? Right. You know what I mean? That's like, interesting because the placebo effect's a real thing, right? Yeah. Like I feel like I'm doing something. When you go through trials, they they make you do the whole placebo effect, and if you're getting the same results from the placebo as you are from your drug, obviously it's not your drug. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's crazy. It's it's crazy how the mind works. That's a whole different avenue too. So mm-hmm. yeah, man. Who knows? Yeah. Like I remember they used to have things when we were in uh, like high school where you could it says if you like listen to it with headphones in it would make you feel drunk. Like mm-hmm. the, there's certain like uh, waves. Binaural binaural beats. beats. Yeah, is that what they called? Binaural yeah. beats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I might have to go back and listen to some. No, I listen to them everyone. Like sometimes when I'm at the gym, I'll put them on because they're just like good background music. Okay. Um, not the ones like they get you drunk, but there's ones for like because like we talked about the numbers thing. They say everything is on a frequency, so it's you're listening to it to tune your body into a better frequency. 
They use that for like movies. Like if you're watching a thriller, like they do it to, um, you know, to mess with whatever frequency gives you chills. Yeah, exactly. Or makes your heart yeah. beat fast. Whatever the fuck they do. Right. Yeah. Or like certain sounds to like invoke nostalgia and stuff. They have like the little Game Boy ding. Yeah. yeah. Somewhere playing this shit. Uh, what is the most interesting thing that you think that you have came across so far? Hmm. Or I guess like since you haven't been like in the clinicals like or have heard of like what's one of like wild stories somebody's like oh yeah oh in the, in the like in both the, arms and legs chopped off at the same time or... <laughs> um shoot I haven't heard any crazy stories from the clinic um I remember I, I went to the hospital one time this was just me as a patient and I mean I was in the ER and I see the guy with like a samurai sword go across Ooh. his leg and stuff like that so I'm just like whoa that's, that's crazy why I don't hang out at the federal trades yeah. <laughs> yeah it's not yeah. like some yeah. yeah so I haven't like it would be it would be nice to be like a fly on the wall and hear the doctor you know talk about that case yeah so no but as far as I'm concerned I haven't heard anything because like that's gonna happen my third year and that's when like my whole class is gonna be doing that because the class I'm in now we're just doing like the basic science so I haven't heard any crazy stories and the third years are never in the school like they're always in the in the in the clinics in the hospital, and then the fourth years they're not even there. They're not even at the med school. All of them are traveling because your fourth year like Harry Potter. Yeah, <laughs> no, we're gonna have to have you on yeah. when you uh, yeah. when you are doing more hands on sure. shit. Yeah, uh, and sixteen years from now when you finally complete, well, <laughs> you're on, you're on this. Yeah, man. Yeah. So I haven't heard any crazy stories, but what I find like um, the craziest thing. Are you talking about like from a biological thing, or just from like my experience in the whole school? Um, well, what's the most interesting thing that you know? Um, that you've studied, that you've seen in books. I remember you showed me something. Um, I think this was like when you first moved out there. You're mm-hmm. like reading a book, mm-hmm. and you showed me over Facetime like some weird ass picture. I forget what it was, but you're like, "This is fucking disgusting." Oh, encephal- encephalopathy. What was it? Yeah, yeah. encephalopathy. That was um, so like this guy couldn't even look at the page. <laughs> yeah, because it was a baby with like one eye. Oh no! In his eye, uh, like they were born with one eye or whatever. Damn, and it was um, yeah, I believe the disease was encephalopathy. And it was just, it baffled me because it was just so gross. And I, I, I forget what was like the underlying cause of it. But I remember they, they so get this, they did the testing on like, um, I think it was like goats. Because they were like, we think this thing leads to um, anencephalopathy. And don't quote me on this, but I think it was like lily, some type of like lily flower that they were giving like these goats. Mm-hmm. And the mother would eat it. And sure enough, the baby would come out with one eye. So they correlated. Like, oh, this was a human child. Uh, well, yeah, the human child came out with it, but they didn't do the testing on a human oh, child. Oh, okay. Yeah. They just, I think maybe the case was like some, the, the mother was around some lily. I forgot what it was, but they just thought like this thing led to like this disease. Yeah. So they tried it out in goats. And sure enough, the goat, the mother goat was giving babies to like these one eyed like. And to clarify, it's not like a normal human head with one eye gone. It's yeah. one eye in the yeah, center of your yeah. head. Yeah. yeah. Like Cyclops. Yeah. Dude. Like yeah, even I, like anatomy, anatomic. I don't know. I can't even say the anatomically? word anatomically. anatomically that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Like that doesn't even make sense. Yeah, it was. It's interesting. Encephalopathy. Oh man, yeah. I remember I was FaceTiming Tyler because um, it had to do with pregnancy, and I was like, you know, I think I was speaking to Tyler, and um, uh, I was just. I flipped it over and I was itching because when I see something nasty, like I yeah. was just like, I was so what about that is nasty? Um, it was just, I think it's because I've never been exposed to something like that. Like it's out of the norm. Mm-hmm. When I see something out of the norm, it kind of makes me itchy. Like, for example, like when it snows and I see like a whole bunch of like weird looking holes. Bruh, that's fucking me too, man. The holes. <laughs> yeah. Makes you itch. Yeah. Like yeah. holes and just things like that. Yeah. It just makes me feel like. I don't know. It makes my screen crawl. But you know what, though? I learned about myself is that if there's a lot of holes, like the holes in the snow don't really mess with me. But I feel like the the um, the sensations start 
you know, uh-huh. but it doesn't fully affect me. Okay. But if I see something that almost has like a rotting tint, to yeah. it, it's a wrap. Bro. Yeah. Like no. my internals just like twist strange. up. Yeah. Like my skin crawls. Yeah. Like it's so bad. Yeah. Dude. No. It's bad. The only thing that makes my, yeah. me do stuff like that is like, you know, those videos of people popping pimples on YouTube? Mm-hmm. Like see, that shit is fucking disgusting. I, I love those. Oh, man. People get like re- satisfaction from that. That shit makes me fucking my stomach turn, really? dude. Yeah. I hate those videos. Oh, yeah. man. I love those. Oh. Oh. Dr. Oh. Pimple Popper? Yeah. Dr. Oh. I feel relieved. Dark. Oh, oh I don't know if I feel relieved. But no, it's like, I think like when it's like all, like you see the pimple and then like they squeeze it and I see it coming out I'm like oh, I'm I think that's, that's the kind of abnormalities that get me sick is okay. like any kind of skin stuff like yeah. if I see people with boils and stuff mm-hmm. yeah like god bless you yeah. <laughs> me I'm just like I want to pop it get it out of you oh, I feel like yuck. I just want to why don't you do not. that uh, dermatology you're like that's too basic um, believe it or not pre like this whole test change it was the hardest specialty to get into interesting yeah you have to score the highest like one of the highest step scores to get into why dermatology is Beautiful work-life balance. Oh, beautiful. So the, the demand is high, or the it's not the demand. Yeah, yeah, no, not really the demand, but it's just like the not enough, not enough. Put uh, it, not enough. Yeah, it is positions. Yeah, the demand is really high. In the yeah, supply, the demand for yeah. the people applying is really high. Right. And the supply, supply is low. Well. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, too, not too many, too many applications, too many, not enough positions, you know, mm-hmm. and like everyone loves it because it gives you a really good work-life balance. And you look the youngest yeah. out of everybody. Yeah. And, and, and it pays pretty well, right? Oh yeah. It pays, yeah. it pays handsomely for, yeah. for, it for, makes you handsome. <laughs> there you yeah. go. It pays beautifully. Yeah. Right. Beautifully. And, uh, the one that's, um, so like, say you get the score, it doesn't necessarily mean you'll get the position, but right. unless it's like really neurosurgery, like they don't really get a lot of applications. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I think the match rate for that is like over 90%. So they don't get too many applications. You have to get a really high score because obviously it's dealing with the brain. But um, yeah, not many people apply because that's an eight year long, seven to eight year long position. And no one really wants to go through that. Mm-hmm. So most of the applications you see go through internal medicine because that's what doctors, like when you think of a doctor, you're going to see an internal medical doctor before right. most things. And then um, surgery, orthopedic surgery, because it's five years and it's just like bones. A huge joke in med school is like they're just like the carpenters you know no one really thinks of like an orthopedic surgeon as someone that like uses their brain to like diagnose and, and cure diseases yeah. it's like grab the hammer grab the toolbox we're gonna put these bones back together yeah, right yeah. so they open you up not not i mean the screws yeah no yeah. seriously and it's like yeah. really demanding it's like rigorous work like i was watching this doctor take a hammer is that where uh putting the screws to him comes from the who? Like, you know that expression when they're like, oh, he's really putting the screws to him right now. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, maybe. Yeah, so there's like that huge med school joke. But, I mean, you have to score really high. And it's the most competitive specialty. Like, a lot of people want to do orthopedic surgery. So that's like one of the biggest ones. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I have a question from one of the listeners. Ooh. Oh, okay. Ooh. <laughs> All right. So um, you are probably one of the minorities in your field. Yeah. Question is, do you feel your opinion is valued immediately or do you feel compelled to do extra work in your research prior to giving answers? Oh, that's a good question. I couldn't have thought of that yeah. one myself. That's a good question. Can you repeat that last part? I'll say the whole thing again. Okay. Do you feel that your opinion is valued immediately or do you feel compelled to do extra work or research prior to giving your answers? Um, so I'll give you two parts to this. So one, it depends where the question is coming from. For example, if the question is coming from someone that's a PhD, right? And they ask me the question, I, and I might not, I might know it, right? But because I don't have that PhD in that research that they had, I always feel like my answer isn't going to be right. So I always do feel compelled to go and make sure that I know what I'm talking of. But does your race 
play a role? Because um, that's the that's geez, the root of the question. Yeah, okay, does my race play a role? I think, for me, I don't think my race necessarily plays a role because the thing in science is it's either you're right or you're wrong, right? Okay. So, like, for example, because he's black, can you know do we can we trust his answer it's like you can't trust my answer because my answer is correct because it's backed by science you got see what it, i mean got it, got so it. like as opposed to something that's more uh subjective right it's, it's like, like the law field yeah exactly like the law field i think yeah i think i would feel the color of my skin would be like do, are they are they telling me no because they're saying like i don't know anything because this guy's black and he shouldn't be here mm-hmm. right. or are they telling me no but in the field of science it's like you can't tell me no mm-hmm. this is how an enzyme works this is what it does mm-hmm. so i think that's that kind of a cool power to have you can't tell me no yeah, yeah that's like, cool. no no seriously because it's like this is how it works and you telling me no i don't feel like my color of my skin is gonna you know you can maybe if they were like no but they knew it was right do you know what I mean? Like they, they shrugged you out because you were black. Right, yeah. because they shrugged me out because I'm black. I have yet to have something like that happen to me, but I can definitely see it happening. You know what I mean? And if you're right, because I've seen this, a lot of things happen, this is with the students, but if you're right, not if you're right, if you say something and it's partially right, but like incorrect, and someone gives you the statistical facts of it, like this is how it works, you always see people always trying to defend their answers, even though they're wrong. And I think that might actually be something with skin color, because... We don't have many minorities or anything at the school, right? Mm-hmm. But um, during some debates, it's like maybe they feel like they want to be right. And this is just my uh, interpretation of it. They want to feel like they're so right that they fight that even though they're wrong. They fight instead the answer. Instead of admitting, right, until, I don't know. I right, will not be defeated. Right. You know what, what I mean? I'm not sure if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. like it's, I think it's like they don't want to feel inferior. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? And they don't want to feel inferior so much that they'll defend something wrong. Right. I get that. Right. And they might hold on to, like, maybe one little aspect of what was right about the answer, but majority of it is wrong. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, an enzyme is, it's a protein, but the function is wrong. So they have the enzyme as a protein is right, but the function is completely wrong. Mm-hmm. And they'll hold on to, like, oh, I knew that the protein, that it was a protein. But that stems back to, like, either you're right or you're wrong. Yeah, it, it, it does. But, like, I think they want to feel like they're not inferior. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You see okay. what I mean? I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. And I think that might that might be something that has like racial, racial pro- you know, it stems from a racial... Undertones. Yeah, yeah, undertones. Man, that was a really good question. I never really thought of that. I have another question for yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so first generation college student. Yeah. Okay. Not only are you a first generation college student, you're a medical student, mm-hmm. which is, you know, like one of the highest of college <laughs> students that you can be, right? Right. How did you navigate this path to med school and what challenges did you have getting there? I had a lot. I had a lot, man. Um, one was in high school, I never really studied or doing anything. And I remember, Zach, I was telling you, uh, some both of you, like, I got a good GPA in, during my running start thing, right. but it wasn't really a science-based class. So I didn't have really exposure to science-based class. This was just like a writing and a physical education class. So I'm like, okay, I could do it then. But I wasn't exposed to any of the physical sciences. And that takes like a different type of understanding and wrapping your head around. So when I did get in there, like my grades weren't that great. Like they were, they were pretty bad. And I was like, man, do I really got what it takes? Because I wasn't prepped with that. This is how you should think. Right. This is how you should navigate through this problem. Right. Not through high school, not through my parents, because I'm first generation. So no one might, like my parents were, they left right after high school to come give us a better education, come here to give us a better education. So, you know, they weren't exposed to the, like some of these classes. And, uh, I had no one I knew that was, you know, really good at these classes as well. So I was kind of going through it myself. 
And one of the biggest hurdles was trying to get my mind around how to think and how to process questions. So that was one of the biggest struggles early on that I had to go through. Another struggle that I had to go through was um, finding the right things to do to differentiate myself from all the other medical school applicants, right? Because everyone does research, not research, everyone does volunteer, everyone does this, everyone does that. So another thing was like, I need to find people, like I have to network and navigate and find a way to speak to professors and be like, hey, um, do you have an open position in your lab? Hey, you know, talking to him in a way like where we become friends, I could get a letter of recommendation, like trying to make um, relationships with faculty. Because in high school, you really didn't do that, right? In high school, you just talked to the teacher, and sometimes your teachers were just your friend. Exactly. So, you know, going through college, I had to find a way to become more professional, um, find a way to study. And this was like a growing process because this isn't just something I do one quarter right. and I'm done. So going through that, I had to do that. And then when I do get in the field, like when I finally got a research gig, trying to understand, like, what we're doing, how we're doing it, and the whole principle of why we're doing this. So that was that was another thing to navigate through. And, yeah, it was just – it was hard. It was hard. Um, that kind of leads to kind of a second part of this question. Mm-hmm. What would you do differently? Um, I think I would focus more on my studies and I would take it step by step because I think one of the biggest mistakes I did was try to plan for the future when the future I, like it's not there. I should focus on this chemistry course, this biology course and this calculus course as opposed to like trying to figure out what I should do three years down the road when am I going to take the MCAT and what am I going to do for med schools and which med schools I'm going to look into Mm -hmm. like you get so excited of thinking about oh yeah I'm going to be a doctor that you forget to stay in the moment and focus on what you need to do at that moment and I think that's where I got caught up because I was like what should I do to differentiate myself what should I do should I do some volunteers should I do this but at the end of the day they really want people that they know could handle hard course load and could get good grades out of it right and all the other stuff, don't get me wrong, they still want you to know that like you experienced yourself, you put yourself in a position with a doctor. But what I could have done was do really well in school, right? Get good, good grades. And then I could have taken a gap year off, right? Most people are doing that now, one to two gap years. And because like the average age is 25 for med school. Sure, I need five. Yeah. <laughs> 16 years of right? high school or uh, school. Yeah. 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 So that's the average age for med school. But I was wanted to do like 22 and then straight into med school, right? But that that's not what it. I don't have to do that. There's no rush. I should have studied on my like coursework, get good grades, and then do all the other stuff and see if medicine was good for me during those gap years. And I think that is the biggest change I would have made. I will say this, though, because you said that your parents came here after high school mm-hmm. to give you guys a better shot at education. Mm-hmm. And you took advantage of that. Yeah. That's, yeah. Dope. That's yeah. really dope. Props to you, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. And Sam. Is Sam still, is he still going to school? Yeah, Sam Sam applied to farm school, man. There we go. Oh, I'm excited for the guy. I'm, yeah. hoping, he could get in. I'm hoping he could get in this... Um, this curriculum because if he gets in this curriculum i'll start the md course in the august so sometime this year and if we both start at the same time and we could i would want to navigate with him try to yeah. try to find out this is your city. brother yeah for the yeah, 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 sorry, yeah. Yeah. yeah this is my brother so um you know if we could finish at the same time hopefully we could be in the same city after graduation really and cool. just yeah yeah have him as my roommate guy's extremely intelligent man so it would be fun to have him as a roommate yeah, I've yet to. I guess he's been my lifetime roommate, but just not outside <laughs> oh, of like, our home. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, do you want to do a takeaway? So, I would um, for anyone trying to go into medicine, I would tell them speak to a doctor, shadow a doctor, understand the lifestyle, understand the rigors, and make sure it's the right thing for you. Because going in and quitting two, three years in after that debt, after that lifetime dedication, that's going to be pretty bad. It's everywhere. So. Yeah, so for anyone that's going out there, make sure it's the right career for you. Make sure it's something you want to do. Do your research and understand that you're going to have to make life sacrifices. So anybody, not just like 
in the medical field, but obviously with the medical field as it pertains to you, but like doctors, nurses, EMTs, all those, but anybody that's in a, like a job that is self-serving to, or not self-serving, but serving to other people, I think just take some time to appreciate them because uh, a lot of people go overlooked that do things like that. Oh, for you sure. Know, we take it for granted. For sure. For sure. Like being a doctor isn't like a one person team. They always tell you like you're a leader in medicine, but you, you're never by yourself. <laughs>